Welcome into the uh, Friday morning live stream here on Coffee and Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by CJ Vogel. We've got the, a lot of news to share with you again this morning. Uh, welcome in, CJ. How you doing, bud? Hey, happy Friday, Bobby. It's uh... Yeah, it's been a long week. It doesn't feel like it's just been five days since the Longhorns played in New Orleans. It seems a lot longer than that because uh, of just how difficult that game was to kind of stomach. Uh, but uh, all in all, uh, I think the Longhorns had a good season, uh, one that everybody can be proud of. And now we're turning our attention a lot to who is going to be uh, going pro and staying. Uh, Captain Americano here comes up with one I think that was really uh, well put. Uh, love Jay Witt's farewell video to Longhorn Nation yesterday. Class act and one of my all-time favorite Longhorns, not just for what he did with the ball in his hands, but all the little things too. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian commented on that uh, statement as well in, in some ways and saying, you know, a true Longhorn, like what it means to be a Longhorn. Uh, there's a lot of that going to be going around here in the next uh, week to 10 days. The NFL draft uh, declaration has to be done uh, by January 15th. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, uh, Pete Thamel uh, of uh, ESPN, uh, reported yesterday that Brooks is expected to announce that he's going to go pro as well. Uh, Brooks obviously injured in the 10th game of the season after leading the nation in rushing uh, for the first 10 games uh, with an ACL tear, but still expected uh, to head pro even with the injury. Um, his uh, stock uh, could not be, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, where are we going to look at and what's going to go on with him uh, as they go forward? But uh, obviously he's gotten the feedback that he's good enough to go. The uh, young junior out of Hallettsville, Texas, uh, just a great guy. Uh, again, another great example of a, a Longhorn that uh, did everything right, sat behind both Bijan and Roshan uh, for a couple of years, uh, did not bellyache, just all he did was go and get better over time, CJ. And, uh, you know, what do you think about these two guys and their announcements? Um, you've got, to, we still got Adonai Mitchell and JT Sanders up that we think are going to announce to go pro. Uh, your thoughts overall at this point? Well, I thought that comment captured it perfectly. That video from Jordan Whittington that Texas produced was, man, I mean, that was well produced. That was well drawn out. Sitting there watching it thinking, you know, very rarely do you get, you know, I, I don't want to say too emotional, but you start seeing kind of the hurt in Jordan Whittington's voice as well whenever he's talking about how grateful he was to uh, have been a Longhorn, to have gone on this path down here in Austin uh, it was awesome. It was a great video. I'm very happy for Jordan. I hope, you know, a team takes a chance on him because they'll be rewarded. And we've talked about it uh, throughout his entire career. He plays the game the right way. He's a selfless football player. And that receiver, you know, that's not normally always the case. So uh, credit to Jordan Winnington. I'm, I'm really excited to see just where his career goes. Uh, but like you said, for Jonathan Brooks, this was the right decision in my eyes. Uh, the injury, albeit it, it is very unfortunate. And uh, another season could very well have put him, you know, in the conversation for a Doak Walker or even, you know, the, the the Heisman. But, you know, you're sitting there thinking you've shown what you've needed to show for 10 games. You have what is now a top two, top three running back grade, even with the injury. Uh, the shelf life of a running back is obviously very short. Go get your guaranteed money. Go get out, you know, and start your NFL career the way that you've always dreamed of doing so. I'm right there with uh, Jordan, uh, Jonathan Brooks and Jordan Winnington. Uh, it's very exciting to see two more playmakers in, enter the NFL that were former Longhorns. Yeah, and then Byron Murphy announced yesterday as well. Uh, 
uh, uh, CJ, but that was already expected. He had already accepted a senior bowl invite. I don't want to leave him out uh, for lack of people thinking that uh, I'm just uh, forgetting about him, but he had already accepted a senior bowl invite. Again, uh, another just class act for the Longhorns as they go forward. Uh, I, I count up right now, at least uh, probably CJ, as many as nine guys that will that might be drafted for the Longhorns uh, during this uh, season or this offseason, I guess you would say, uh, as we look forward to it. Uh, two wide receivers, potentially a tight end, a running back, one offensive lineman, two defensive linemen, a linebacker, uh, and then Jade Barron might be another one as well. So it could go up as far as uh, 10 at, at this point. And I think that that's, uh, you know, just really an interesting, you know, total given that it's been so long since Texas had that many guys uh, that, that have had an opportunity to go pro. Yeah, what we were all up in arms and excited about, you know, five guys getting drafted last year, which was a step up from what we saw in 2021 or 2022's draft. So I, I, I'm right there with you. How exciting is it? And it's at positions that are fun. You know, Texas has been producing some defensive linemen, uh, some linebackers every now and then. You go back to DeMarvion Overshone and Malik Jefferson. Now we're starting to see some playmakers. You know, last year we saw Roshan and Bijan. A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy potentially joining together. Obviously, Jay Witt will be in the conversation to get drafted as well. Uh, we're going to see some, some Longhorn touchdowns return to the Longhorns in the NFL segment down at uh, DKR next year whenever they, they highlight the Longhorns that made the jump to the NFL. And that's very exciting for me. So uh, it, it does also highlight just the path that Texas is on, uh, both from a program itself and also a developmental side. So uh, being able to boast how many Longhorns will be drafted this year is something that the South will be able to use in recruiting uh, for this year and years past or years in the future. Yeah, you, you look at all of it right now, and it, it just really looks good. Uh, some news out of Oklahoma, CJ. Uh, the, the Sooners making a move at defense coordinator in the offseason uh, after uh, the loss in the Alamo Bowl to Arizona. A good season overall, but apparently Brent Venables wasn't exactly happy. Tell us what's going on uh, in Norman uh, this morning. Yeah, Oklahoma and defensive coordinator Ted Roof have mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, that came late last night, and only about two or three hours afterwards, uh, a replacement was found. So Oklahoma will be hiring uh, former Jackson Jacksonville State defensive coordinator Zach Alley, who uh, is only 31 years old, very young, uh, very enthusiastic on the, on the recruiting trail. He's worked with Brent Venables in the past uh, on the recruiting side of things. Uh, he will be joining – Venables' staff. Uh, interesting note, Oklahoma's defense jumped from uh, – they were averaging 30 points per game in year one under Brent, Brent Venables' staff to 23.5 points, which ranked about 40th, right outside uh, the 40th spot in the national rankings. So there was improvement, clearly not enough, clearly not uh, enough of a hands-off approach from Brent Venables, which is what this uh, hiring will allow him to do, rather than being the guy that continually has to be involved with uh, – installs, play callings, everything along the lines of that. He now gets to take a step back with guys that he's familiar with from Clemson, and that's where uh, this hiring comes from. So uh, a bit of an interesting mark. And, Bobby, I wanted to ask you, how often do you see teams walk into a new conference with uh, a brand-new offensive line, a first-year quarterback, uh, a, a brand-new defensive coordinator, and brand-new offensive coordinator? Um, well, usually it only happens when the head coach gets fired. <laughs> You know, that's that's about the only time I will say that 
Um, the moves occur. I mean, it's not like Brent Venable's defense isn't going to be have his fingerprints on it, right? The guy was a former Clemson assistant as well. Uh, so they've worked together in the past. Uh, that's one. As far as the offensive side of the ball, Seth Luttrell uh, was on staff as well at Oklahoma. So it's not brand new. It's not brand new. You know what I mean? And that that's a that is a, a scenario to to look or think about. Um, Jackson Arnold also had a year in the system, started the bowl game. Uh, there, I do think it's going to be difficult for them. I do think they'll have a better defense next year, though. I, I think going down to twenty three points a game uh, really speaks to to where they're at and and whatnot. I I feel like um, CJ the the thing that we need to, to to be looking at right now is not just not just the the uh, Oklahomas, but also the A&Ms and the Arkansas and the Ole Misses, Mississippi State, all these guys, t- Kentucky, that Texas is going to be playing next year. We're, we're going to have to start kind of detailing those guys and understand um, uh, what what exactly is going on there. But uh, look, uh, there, there are a lot of things going on. Some people asking in the chat right now about other coaching moves. Bo Davis and Terry Joseph, uh, apparently the object of the affection of uh, LSU at this point. I was told late yesterday that they believe neither would be moving on. Uh, so I don't know if that's a, that's not a definite, but I was told that uh, if they had to guess right now, neither would be moving uh, anywhere else uh, in this off season. Uh, so, you know, I, I know there was a lot of uh, conundrum and, and concern, et cetera, uh, about this uh, last week or yesterday, excuse me, uh, leading up to this, but uh, that's what I've been told. Uh, from some folks inside Newhouse uh, and uh, the Texas uh, uh, Athletic Department. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Certainly something worth uh, watching uh, as LSU eventually announces its defensive coordinator, who we think might be a former Texas GA, Blake Baker, out of Missouri. Uh, Now the the defensive coordinator at Missouri. He was uh, on campus at the same time as Bo Davis uh, back in 2011-2012 as well. All right, let's let's, uh, keep uh, going here, but I want to bring in our man, Blake Monroe. Blake, uh, welcome in, buddy. Oh, man, finally back there. Had some internet issues this morning, some storms <laughs> last night. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but we're here now, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the thing I would say, uh, I, I, you know, we were going through this, and I don't usually put up the posts about where everybody is from um, in the morning. You usually do that for us, Blake. But it was really fun seeing all the different places, whether it was San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Nicaragua was one of them, you know, all uh, over. Illinois, et cetera, all throughout the country. Uh, Longhorn fans coming in and joining us to talk a little Texas football uh, today as well. Um, CJ, you were down in uh, San Antonio this week, uh, this week uh, watching not only uh, uh, Trey Owens, but also the freshman, will, will be a freshman wide receiver in Ryan Wingo. Give people a sense for what Texas is getting there because he seems to be or sounds to be Maybe a little something special for Texas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, 
it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Yeah, I think he was on the top performers for day two last night coming out of San Antonio. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, that was a no-brainer for me the minute I started watching him. 6'2 and can run. The routes were impressive, something that I was a little bit skeptical about. I wasn't sure if he would be fine-tuned in the sense of creating separation. That wasn't just a result of being, uh, you know, superiorly more athletic than his uh, opponents. Uh, going against the All-American defensive backs in one-on-ones and in even the team settings, very rarely was uh, Ryan Wingo ever covered uh, very tightly. He was finding separation and success seemingly in any type of setting that he was in. So very encouraging to me. Bobby and Blake, we've obviously talked about uh, the number of targets and, sh- and and of availabilities, you know, that are coming open for the Texas wide receivers. Wingo, who, again, I was a bit, you know, uh, slower on to, you know, hopping on the train that he will be a big contributor right away. I'm now looking at it like that it will be, uh, you know, very difficult to not see Ryan Wingo in year one uh, very often on the field. So he, he was – Far and away the the biggest playmaker for what I saw in my money's worth uh, down there day two. Uh, Ryan Wingo's a special talent, and Texas is getting a good one there. It, it, CJ, you mentioned like uh, like Jonte Cook was an elite recruit, but didn't see a lot of time this year. But he was he was blocked by three really really good receivers that were also elder statesmen, right? You think Wingo has that juice to maybe to break in right away, essentially? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I, I having talked to Ryan Wingo afterwards, I, I kind of got the idea that he was he was there mentally. You know, he wanted to get there, uh, get down to campus as an early enrollee. And, and I, I think Zena Umiozulu mentioned it best. He wants to walk in and be a sponge, you know, and just embrace everything, let everything come to him and just absorb the knowledge of being a college athlete. That's the exact sense that I got from talking to Ryan Wingo. And that's really impressive because at the wide receiver position, there's so many small nuances that go into being a successful wide receiver, whether it be routes, alignment, uh, the the little off-the-ball releases. You know, there's so many little things that go into being a good receiver. And right now I'm seeing Ryan Wingo as someone that wants to walk in and learn everything. So uh, he, he told me he wants to come in right away and just learn. You know, I, I don't care where I am on the depth chart. I'm here to learn. I'm here to get better. I'm here to improve my craft. That was very encouraging to me. And if that, you know, uh, is able to elevate his game even just a little bit, uh, it's going to be very difficult to not see him on the field year one. A lot of people excited about him coming in, no doubt about that. Well, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there how they can escape the insurance trap with BKCW. Yeah, absolutely. Our friends at BKCW are uh, back with us again this uh, spring, and uh, we appreciate them. Winner, uh, did your business have a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal? Most likely you didn't hear from your insurance agent all year at your business. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent is providing no value and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs while effectively managing your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies 
restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas, as well as us here at On Texas Fo Football, uh, escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment and escape the insurance trap. Thanks, BKCW. Guys, give them a call. They've helped us uh, here at On Texas Football as well. So appreciate them. Okay, guys. Well, we want to thank them for sponsoring every Friday right here on Coffee and Football. And let's get to some questions now. And we'll start here with Drew Eams. He says, Bobby, how many players leaving are we expecting today or tomorrow with the extended deadline? Yeah, the extended deadline is through Saturday. It's five days after the end of the uh, uh, football season uh, for a team if they're in the playoffs. Look, I I don't know. I was thinking three to five or three to six. Um, I don't have that number uh, quite yet. I will say this. Steve Sarkeesian already met with all of the players prior to the bowl game. So prior to the bowl game, he had met with everyone. Post-bowl game, he's only meeting with guys who ask to meet and or who have NFL thoughts right now or last minute change of mind, et cetera. So it's not this, you know, everybody's at Steve Sarkeesian's door wanting to talk. At this point, I think anything three or below would be a win. Uh, Texas doesn't have a lot of guys they want to leave, uh, just to be fair. I mean, usually there's a culling process, right? Texas isn't in, in that situation because they feel like they've done a pretty good job of recruiting. So it's more about keeping who they've got uh, at this point. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes all in. Uh, the Longhorns right now, guys, uh, really trying to just get through this phase and pick up a couple of guys out of the portal, uh, particularly some older guys that are good at wide receiver, defensive tackle, uh, perhaps a safety or a cornerback uh, as well. Well, let's go to the flip side of that question and MJF says now that the horns and Bama are done are there any Bama players that have or may likely enter the portal that the horns could possibly want um so somebody mentioned this in the in this in the chat Shaz Preston is somebody that actually came down to between Texas and Alabama but my understanding is Texas actually is more would, would likely be more interested in Malik Benson a junior college transfer that has size and speed Preston is more of a uh, Preston's more of a detailed route runner receiver, which Texas thinks they have enough of in a guy like a DeAndre Moore, fairly. Um, and so I, I don't think that that's the piece. Malik Beeson is the or Benson is the one uh, that has the the take the top off uh, speed that Texas might be interested in. However, I still expect Texas to actually look for guys that have more experience that have caught forty or fifty passes. Like, I mean, Matthew Golden had 38 this year. That's the kind of level they're looking at that still have uh, that speed uh, and ability downfield that they want. Hey, guys, we got a super chat here from Jeff Carey. He says, when you guys went over the list of starters we were losing, I had a panic attack. <laughs> and then can you recommend an on-Texas basketball site? Bobby, we've got a Texas, or a, I'm sorry, a basketball program here. Can you tell them about it? Yeah, we have UT Brotherhood uh, comes out about once every week. It's been uh, missing the last couple of weeks, but uh, we'll get back to it. Uh, it's with Royale Ivy, uh, DJ Augustine, TJ Ford stops in sometime. It's hosted by Nick Shuley. Uh, you can also look it up individually. It's called UT Brotherhood, but I think it's Brother 
hood. Uh, make sure you guys check that out. Those are good guys over there and they do really, really good work. Uh, I wouldn't worry about, you know, every team has to, has to replace guys. Texas will have to replace guys. The difference between Texas and say a TCU this year, CJ, Texas is more well prepared because of its recruiting to handle the losses or the attrition uh, through the NFL draft. I'm not saying they're going to be perfect, but they definitely are more well situated. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think when you've talked about the the recent recruiting classes, we're set to replace a, an Xavier Worthy with a five-star Jonte Cook. You know, that's one of the advantages Texas has when it comes to reloading rather than rebuilding. And also look at what Texas has done already in the portal with their three additions. Uh, these are big time uh, producers where they've been. Obviously, Makuba has been an all uh, freshman, all American. Uh, Trey Moore just was second in the country in sacks. Matthew Golden, as you mentioned, almost 40 catches this year in the Big 12, no less. So uh, these are high profile guys that are able to walk in and produce right away on a big stage. I think the recruiting classes of past are going to help. Uh, you, one more guy who I don't think is getting enough love is going to be at right tackle. There's a lot of teams kind of poking and prodding with Cam Williams right now. Uh, but he's kind of penciled in, at least on paper, pretty early uh, pretty early out to be that starting guy uh, at right tackle when Christian Jones departs and moves on from Texas football. So uh, that's kind of the next step. We saw how, you know, I guess promising he was against Kansas State in his first uh, first career start. Should he get, up, get those uh, fall starts cleaned up? It was almost a perfect game for Cam Williams in his first career start. So uh, I, I think that is the difference there. The talent is already there. Uh, and, and and obviously you're talking about a guy, a couple guys who have been in the in the program and in the system for for multiple years now uh, to get them quicker, quickly up to speed compared to, a, a, you know, getting guys who haven't played or seen the field like a TCU was last year. Talking about guys that haven't played yet. Let's talk about Brandon Baker. Tom Brigman asked, what's the word on Brandon Baker? Will he be a factor for Texas? And is he starting? Well, I, certainly I don't think he starts. No. No. I mean, I think that, that Cam Williams. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Cam Williams, a little Christmas cold. Cam Williams. Uh, and Hayden Connor are going to battle it out as of right now at right tackle. That's my expectation. Uh, left guard is going to be Cole Hudson and Neto this spring. That's that's what I'm being told at this point. So uh, Neto, by the way, I mean, just uh, people have been asking some about him. He was one of the guys in in the final two weeks of the season and in uh, fall in the winter camp that people circled as playing extraordinarily well and taking it up and level. So uh, do not give up on him. I think left guard is going to be Hudson and Neto going at it. I think right tackle is going to be Hayden Connor uh, and Cam Williams going at it. That's that's the game plan as of right now. I do think they're going to look to move Hayden Connor to the outside because Hayden Connor, I think he worked really well in the Big 12 where maybe the defensive line are, are, is generally not as big and all you have to do is shadow in the SEC, they're going to have a bunch of 325-pound guys pushing you. And so they're going to need more people that are lower center of gravity uh, and a little bit more stronger in their base. And so I think that's the thinking going into next year. What a fun problem to have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I look, I mean, you want to know why I don't feel bad and don't panic, CJ, about going to the SEC and next year? It's that reason. It, it, exactly. look, they have pieces. This is not, it's like I said, 
it's not TCU where they didn't have the backups. Texas has done a really, really nice job. And frankly, um, frankly, Sark's just done a good job and his coaches have done a good job of, of adding pieces to the puzzle. I really believe that. And uh, we'll see uh, what what's going on uh, in the um, in the spring. But improvement from Cam Williams, Neto. I'm, I, I'm not so sure that the offensive line with Jake Majors returning isn't significantly better next year. There's an, an older Kelvin Banks. There's an older DJ Campbell. There's an older Cam Williams. There's an older Hayden Connor. There's an older Cole Hudson. They really only lose. You can take about, you know, oh, they lose Hayden. Uh, they're, they're losing uh, Christian Jones, but they only lose one out of five. And some really talented guys are getting older. Okay. So I, I feel like you, I feel like the offensive line is destined to be a strength of this team for the next two to three years at least. Now they'll have to keep adding really good pieces over the next year, like Daniel Cruz, Brandon Baker, uh, Nate Kibble, Trevor Goosby, Jaden Chapman, those kind of guys to, to have to kind of uh, breathe into it. But I, I feel like they've done a good job uh, in that in that respect, and that is not going to be a problem in the SEC. We have a super chat, y'all, from Kabir Hussein. Thank you, Kabir. He says, what portal cornerback do y'all think we most want? Well, I, I don't know that there is one yet. So I, I think they were still combing through people as of as of yesterday. There was a chance one of the Utah corners was going in, and that would have been an automatic. There's an all-ACC player out of NC State, uh, but he's a four-year player. So Texas, the last – one of the things people have to understand, Texas can't take many seniors or fifth-year players that haven't graduated – because they're not for far enough along in their degree plan at the University of Texas. It's why Texas had a little bit of a trouble getting Andrew McCuba into school. Uh, frankly, the last 60 hours at the University of Texas have to be taken at Texas. And there's an NCA rule that they have to be making progress towards their degree plan. So the guy at, at NC State, for the record, would be an immediate take for just about anybody in the country. But certain schools like Texas who have that issue uh, would not would not be a, a candidate. Well, while we're on the subject of portal cornerbacks, let's talk about Gavin Holmes. He only free only ninety three says I think Holmes had some minor contributions to the corner room this year, but not enough to stay with all the young talent coming up and coming in. Y'all's thoughts? I disagree. I mean, I, I think he's going to play. I think that he didn't play much because Malik Muhammad or Manny Muhammad. But you take who's next up after Muhammad. Right. I mean, who's next up after Muhammad and, and uh, uh, Terrence Brooks? It's Gavin Holmes right now. He's ahead of Warren Roberson, actually. So they're going to see action. And, and, you know, Makuba playing nickel makes sense. But what if Makuba moves to safety out of necessity? I, I think Gavin Holmes has a spot on this team. Not saying he's going to be perfect or anything or whatever. The thing that, that, that Holmes has that the other guys on the team don't is speed. Now he didn't see much action against, uh, or any really against Washington, but that's something to watch for. And then Ray Potter follows that up with, do you think he comes back and enters the portal? The youth movement is there telling Watts to switch positions, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see him? Um, Watts is interesting. You know, Watts, theoretically should be going pro if he decides to return 
where does he have does he have a spot? You know, CJ, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this is one of those interesting, I don't want to say problems, but it's a spot you want to be in if you're Texas because you're reloading with younger players being better athletes, uh, you know, having produced on the field already. There's a spot where you are walking into 2024 thinking, my two young cornerbacks are the best on the roster. And I, I think that's encouraging. Obviously, you want the competition. You want these guys, you know, Bobby, like as you like to say, the iron – uh, make stronger iron or whatever it is, you know. The, iron the, sharpens iron. Yeah, that's exactly it. So that's that's what you want in these competitions. But I'm looking at it right now, where I saw enough out of Terrence Brooks and Malik Muhammad specifically, where I'm comfortable with those two being my starting cornerbacks uh, in 2024. So while it's nice that Ryan Watts will come back, it does give Texas the opportunity to kind of toy around with where he fits in the secondary. Uh, it, it, like you just mentioned about the offensive line, that's kind of where I think. Uh, you can plug in place and, and move some pieces around to make, ensure that you have the best athletes on the field that will give you the best production. So I I don't know if a if a portal entry is on the table for Ryan Watts. I hope it's not. He's a good player. Uh, he was, you know, an inch or two away from making two PBUs. That ended up being pretty big plays for Washington. But uh, besides the point, he, he was pretty solid all year long in my eyes. But I do think there's better athletes and better cover corners that Texas has below him at the moment. Yeah. I think all I think all of that. Uh, look, Ohio State tried to make him a, a safety. He came to Texas because he wanted to be a corner. I don't think he has the long speed to be a corner. We've discussed this at the next level. He's actually been a good player for Texas this year. Is he perfect? No, uh, but he's a good boundary corner. Um, the question is, you know, if you go to the SEC, does that thing does do things change because all of a sudden? the SEC starts having more speed on the outside than they do at a lot of places in the big 12. You know, that that's, that's the give and take there uh, as well. Um, I've got a couple other things I want to mention. Uh, KJ Lacey, uh, the quarterback out of uh, Sarah land in Mobile, Alabama, he and his teammate, Ryan Williams, the wide receiver out of uh, Sarah land will be in Austin on the 27th, not the 20th of January. That's uh that's important because the 20th is the big recruiting weekend, the junior day for the Longhorns uh, that, that we've all been talking about and waiting on. Uh, the uh, quarterback, uh, K.J. Lacey, coming in on the 27th with his wide receiver, Ryan Williams. Williams also looking, of course, at Alabama and Auburn at this point. Very big news for Texas. There's no doubt about that. I got Captain Americano. Who will be the biggest difference makers next year? Who steps up at positions of need, whether it be defensive line, wide receiver, defensive back, et cetera? What y'all got? Well, I hope it's I hope it's uh, Alfred Collins. I hope that's one of them at defensive line because if he can become better, that's a big one. Wide receiver, I think it's going to be Jonte Cook. Uh, defensive line, uh, you meant, I mentioned Alfred Collins. Uh, defensive back. I, I expect a you know a big movement from both Manny Muhammad and Derek Williams next year. You know it's their first; they got a real taste of it this year. Now I think they're going to be frontline starters for the rest of their career. That's my opinion. And yeah, so I'm with you. I'm with you on John Tay Cook. Up, go ahead, CJ. I'm with you on John Tay Cook. I think he's you know, probably primed the most of any player on the team right now to make that biggest jump uh, that we'll see in 2024. So he's 
obviously my number one pick obviously, uh, with Matthew Golden coming in as well. It certainly adds up for Jonte to be on the field, regardless of who else is in this wide receiver room. I'm looking at the defensive line. And while it's great that Alfred Collins is there, you're going to need more, uh, you know, more bodies in that room to, to take that next leap. I'm looking at a Jeray Bledsoe and Aaron Bryant. You know, it, it, this spring, as you mentioned previously, Bobby, is going to be huge to see what happens with Sadir Mitchell's body uh, in terms of, re, you know, transforming some of these, uh, uh, you know, proportional weight movements in the body and, and just getting his his figure up to speed with the SEC. So I'm all about, you know, Aaron Bryant, Jeray Bledsoe, two guys that have played sparingly this year. They got enough, uh, I, I would say, play time to make me – uh, rather encouraged about what they could turn into with a full slate uh, in, a, in, a, in a full rotation in 2024. But I'm looking for one of those two guys to be up there with Vernon Broughton, Troll Carter, and Alfred Collins. What about tight end? Uh, JT Sanders is likely to announce any minute. Uh, Adnai Mitchell apparently announcing any minute too. Uh, look, uh, those guys are both expected to go to the NFL, uh, Sanders and Mitchell. Uh, I am, I'm really concerned about that spot after, uh, Gunnar Helm. I think Juan Davis is a good receiving tight end, but he's not necessarily a matchup issue for folks. Uh, and I don't know if Spencer Shannon and Will Randall are, are ready yet. We'll have to wait and see until the spring and see what kind of, um, see what kind of, uh, advancement they've made at this point. Gunnar Helm is, is a big one. Uh, but man, you don't want to go in one deep necessarily at tight end in the sec i mean, I, I can tell you right now you don't want to do that now maybe hey malik ogbo caught a pass though i mean let's, let's maybe malik ogbo is a, a, a your your bonus tight end going forward i mean seriously maybe that's that maybe that's something they they try to push on goal line and short yardage next year cj as a workaround for not having a second tight end uh, what about okay? So we have a question here from Football Texas Portal for a tight end. I would have to assume so, Bobby. Yeah, they're trying. Uh, you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna have to try once uh, JT makes it known that he's going pro. They're they're just gonna have to uh, because I don't know. I, we mentioned Ogbo, but he's limited. He's not certainly not going to hurt you vertically, right? Um, uh, he may be good in red zone type situations though because he's quick, even though he's really really big. Um, but after Gunnar Helm, you just don't know because you haven't seen Shannon, Will Randall, and Juan Davis in that 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 they haven't been pushed in that elite role where they have to be relied on. He has in mock Chanel says Juan Davis has looked good blocking. He has in some ways. He's a good uh, H back blocker, but not a good inline blocker. And you need both. You want both the way Sark uses them, and and that's. Frankly, that's been JT Sanders, Sanders' biggest bugaboo. Hasn't been the crackback block stuff that he does. It's been, uh, or the seal blocks that he's had issues with. It's been the, the man on blocking. And that's the same with Juan Davis. Bobby, here's a fun one. When Texas goes into that jumbo package and brings in a Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Malik Ogbo as well, who do you see this far out from 2024 as being in those personnel roles come 2024? I'll stump you a little bit. Yeah, because I don't think Dre Bled Dre Bledsoe is the most athletic of that group, clearly. But yeah, he's not the superhuman size that Murphy. They don't have the superhuman size guys is Sadir Mitchell. 
Right. And I don't think they're going to, I just don't think he's going to be that guy as a sophomore. Right. Um, so I don't know that they have that guy next year or either of them. Right. That's the real question. Like I don't see Vernon Broughton doesn't have that low base. Uh, Trill Carter's not that quick. Uh, so I, I, I think, I don't, I don't know that that's going to go the way of the Dodo bird. Uh, they may put an offensive lineman back there, yep. for example, instead of a defensive lineman in those sets. We'd have to see. And also, I, I wouldn't say any of these defensive linemen have the middle school background of being a uh, running back like Byron Murphy as right. well. So. <laughs> or or, or Molly Gogbo, by the way, middle school running back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to keep talking about that for a second uh, because Nathan wants to know, is Bledsoe still a defensive tackle or a defensive end? Seems like he still doesn't have the weight for a defensive tackle. He's he's much better now than he was a year ago. Um, and uh, I think he's 280 right now, but in the SEC, 280 is light. Yep. <laughs> a defensive tackle, exceedingly light. Uh, they'd love, love to get him to 295 to 300 and then let him be a light defensive tackle and pair him with someone like a Trill Carter, right? Uh, that that is more of a or a Sadir Mitchell or even an Aaron Bryant. Um, they need that bigger weight to pair with him right now. They can't just let two guys like Vernon Broughton and uh, and uh, uh, and Dre Bledsoe can't play at the same time unless it's a passing situation. They get moved too easily because they're they're lightweight. Yep, I was just looking up. I have the roster right here, right behind me. So uh, 274 pounds is what Dre Bledsoe weighed in at the beginning of the year. That's obviously you can account for, you know, 5, 10, maybe pounds that have been added as the season has progressed. But that's a number that you'd like to see as close to 300 as possible before you really start deploying him snap in and snap out uh, over the duration of a game. And then this next question is from Bobby Batronic, and he says, is Bryant a Murphy-like facsimile? No, not as quick. Not as quick. Um, although, look, I mentioned Neto having a good a good campaign this winter. I was told that Aaron Bryant had a really good one, uh, really good winter practice. He's gone from a guy that they didn't know whether he'd ever do something for him to where now he's a guy that they think will. Um, I, I don't know that he's ever uh, going to be a top-line player but they do feel like he's getting into that category where he can be a reliable piece of this defense. And heaven knows they're going to need it at defensive tackle, losing what they lost. I mean, two great players in Sweat and Murphy. Then we're going to talk about Tap for a second. got a couple of questions about him. I'm going to combine these. Miguel Gonzalez says, Tap flashed well at times this year. He's my sleeper for D-line next year. And then Mark Snell Says someone said that Jamon Tap might portal. Is that a real possibility? So let's talk about him, what his expectations are next year, and then obviously answering Chanel's question about the portal. Well, look, same position as Trey Moore. So there, there might be some, uh, there might be some, uh, some issues there uh, to to be considered. But as of right now, I have not heard his name as a for sure portal guy. So I, I don't want to put anything out there. I do think he was making progress. And again, a lot of these guys are making progress. You don't want to throw Aaron Bryant, when he first came on board, looked out of place at Texas at defensive tackle. Two years later, he doesn't. Jamon Tapp may have looked out of place his first year at Texas. 
maybe now and two years later, he doesn't. You guys have to realize, I mean, this is, they're, they're developing and all their bodies develop differently. I was talking to a, a, a talking to a player's parent over the weekend or over the weekend in, in New Orleans. And he said that the coaches tell them each player runs their own race. Some people come in like Kelvin Banks and they're ready, right? Or at least as ready as possible. Other guys come in and they need a wait. They need a bake. <laughs> I've been using that terminology. Each player, just take it this way. Each player runs their own race. Somebody like Tavondre Sweat, it took five years. Okay. Now, was it worth the wait? Probably so. <laughs> you know, he won the Outland, right? So each guy is running their own race. They're not all ready. You know, Cam Williams is running his own race compared to Neto, compared to Jake Majors, et cetera. Same goes on, def on the defensive line. Same goes at receiver. We've seen this in the past at Texas where, you know, frankly, John Harris comes up and has a great fourth year, but it was almost, I mean, what do you have, 15 catches his entire career going into his senior year and then has 60. Everybody's running their own race. Adrian Phillips is another one. Now he's a long, what, ten, a seven or eight year pro. Um, he was a piecemeal, he was a piece of the defense for three years and all of a sudden starts as a senior and ends up being a, a long-term pro. Everybody has to understand that that's part of the process and that everybody, they, they all have their own timeline. I wish, like, my son is different than my daughter. I know that sounds weird, but, like, my daughter is, like, you know, she's all academics all the time. My son's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll take it seriously someday. So so it's just, you know, but I, they're, they're the same level of smart between them, right? It's just they're on different timelines. Uh, we'll take a couple more questions about the D-line. And uh, this first one from Fungo Master, he says, how, how has Gallette been coming along? It's another one. I mean, look, uh, I was told Jelani McDonald looked good at safety. Darren Gillette and uh, Leonga LaFowle looked good at linebacker. Um, uh, the the uh, one that came along really well on the defensive line during the uh, winter workouts was Aaron Bryant. On the offensive line, Neto Umiozulu made a big step, they thought, over the last two games of the year and over the last month of the year. Apparently, Neto has rededicated himself a little bit. So yep. let's let's see what that means. And then I was told Trey Weisner looked really good. You know, and and we saw what Jaden Blue has done. I mean, how, how much – look, Jaden Blue, this time six months ago, I guess May, he was getting ready to go in the portal, CJ. I mean, he had told his teammates he was going in the portal. How, how much of a change can this go in 180 days, essentially, how much of a change can an 18 or 19 year old go through that? I mean, right. That he literally was about to go in the portal. Yeah, no, trust me. I, I, I know you reported the same as I did. So the, 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 the reality of it is, is they change their mind and they rededicate themselves and they don't even know what they can be. But Trey Weiser is another name that was given to me. There's there's one thing I do want to touch on just a little bit, and it's with these guys who aren't seeing the field a whole lot right now. They're young in their careers. Uh, for a lot of guys at a lot of schools, you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, I, I can move on to a different university and see the field a lot sooner. One thing that is helping Texas retain this talent is what they have right now with the Texas One Fund, uh, you know, the, 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 the collectiveness 
uh, or the collectives and just the togetherness of the Texas football team, the culture that you've talked about, it's willing or these players are a little bit more willing to sit back, wait their term and develop because there's, you know, some pieces in play right now that are keeping them, uh, you know, I would say, I would say they're not hungry, if that makes sense, in terms of the NIL aspect. That is a great piece and weapon that Texas is uh, having on their side right now. And uh, we've talked about it. There have been a lot of teams that have been, you know, wanting to get involved with Texas players that haven't seen the field yet. We've seen some portal departures already. But right now, Texas can point to just about every position on the field and say, yeah, we've developed here. We've developed there. Look at where these guys as freshmen were compared to, you know, their final year on campus. Trust the progress or process and also be taken care of by the Texas One Fund. And that's something that hasn't been mentioned a whole lot, but that's something that is certainly keeping uh, Texas, you know, in the good graces of a lot of these guys who aren't seeing a lot of the field. And we're going to take one more D-line question before we move on. And it's about Billy Walton, how he progressing physically, asked by Mock Schnell. And Mock says, he is a dog. Have y'all heard anything on Walton? Well, I agree with that comment, first of all. I think CJ's seen him in person as well. I mean, you know, some people love football, and then some people sh- love football and show it. <laughs> He's one that does both, right? Yeah. Um, the question will always be is, can he get big enough? Can he get big enough to be a, a plus player? Because he has that dog mentality. He has the athleticism. He has the desire. I think this is a big offseason for him, too. You know, I, I really I really do believe that. But I feel like, look, guys like Savion Red, Billy Walton, guys that Trey Weiser that you know love football. And it, it shows every time they go out on the field. Um I, that's one of the things I think Jordan Whittington is another one. Roshan Johnson, those guys that you can just kind of feel that they love it. You know what I mean? I, I think that's one of the things, and correct me if I'm wrong, be, uh, Blake and, and CJ, that's one of the things I think that Steve Sarkeesian's done a great job of mixing in to his roster so that it's not all five-star blue chips. You know, it's not all Xavier Worthies and, uh, Quinn Ewers and JT. I mean, it's a lot. It's some of that dog mentality that we talk about uh, that they really love ball. I mean, you, you think Texas has done a good job of that because it feels like it's more the case now than it has been in the last five or 10 years overall. You're muted, DJ. So I, I just got a text. Trill Carter just entered the transfer portal. So, okay. Wow. Uh, on, the t- on the topic of defensive linemen, there's one that. Ah, Texas will either have to fight back and win uh, that that re-portal recruitment or they'll have to look for another body. Uh, a Jamari Caldwell, someone that we've talked about in the past as uh, in terms of where Texas could look uh, already prior to this move. But that's that's big. What what does that mean for the 2024 rotation down there? Wow, that's horrible. That's I, I say horrible. He's not, you know, if they could get Jamari Caldwell, it's not a huge loss. But, man, that makes getting someone else that much more important because he was a rotational player for them. I mean, he played. He was one of the guys that played. Texas only only swapped four defensive linemen in that Washington game. It was obviously Tevin, or sorry, defensive uh, interior defensive linemen, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Trill Carter, Vernon Broughton. Vernon Broughton is now looking like he will be the only one uh, returning unless Texas is able to win out this portal uh, recruitment once again. Mm. Man, 
That's insane. I don't think that's a tough one for Texas guys. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Okay, guys. Well, it is time for me to tell everybody out there about Manscaped. And uh, cheers to the new year from our friends at Manscaped because your resolutions shouldn't be the only things that are well kept. 2024 is the time for new heights, new opportunities, and a new look for your Times Square balls. Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're looking to maintain a trim or go for that clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. You go to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS for 20% off plus free shipping. Happy New Year or Happy New Balls. I've told you this week about Manscaped's fifth generation lawnmower, but now I'm going to tell you about getting the full grooming experience with Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0. In this grooming kit, you get the trusted lawnmower, Manscaped's ear and nose hair trimmer, and essential aftercare products with the Crop Soother Ball Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chaving Ball Deodorant. Yep, ball for your deodorant for your balls. Bet you didn't. And let's face it, resolutions might come and go, but well-groomed you is here to stay thanks to Manscaped. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ONTEXAS at manscaped.com because nothing says Happy New Year like a deal that leaves your balls and your wallet feeling refreshed. Embrace the new you and definitely embrace the new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. I want to thank them for sponsoring today. And we have some super chats that we need to get into, guys. Jeff Carey with another one. Jeff, thank you. He says, can we get a Sark advisor, someone that can tell Sark that his game plan and play calling isn't working and that we need to adjust? I Look, I think I think that he does plenty good. I mean, they were, let's be fair, they're 12-2 and two this year. Um, they adjusted pretty well. I think he's gotten better. Uh, this is something that Rod and I talk about. He's gotten better over the last two years, too, guys. You got to realize he's still growing as a coach. He's not Nick Saban. He's not 70. Um, and so, and he does have advisors. I mean, whether it's offense, defense, uh, time management, all of that stuff. Jeff, I, I, I feel, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Texas is 12 and two, 12 and two. Are they perfect? No, uh, but they were, they're a lot better than they were a year ago. And they're certainly better than they were two years ago or the last 10 years. Uh, it's moving in the right direction. Keep giving them a chance. Keep giving them a chance. Yeah. Well, let's keep on with this subject for just a second. The Green Lantern says everyone is talking about our projected player needs, but what do you see are Sark's analysis needs for next year? Are there any big names being whispered about? Analysts? No. I mean, typically those come after people get fired, <laughs> frankly. Uh, so we'll see what that looks like. Um, uh, and I don't know, I don't have any big names or and names that uh, would be of of uh, news right now. That will happen soon. We're waiting right now on the linebackers coach uh, to be named and see if uh, Johnny Nansen actually takes that role uh, once he returns uh, back home. But uh, we'll see if if it goes in that direction. Then we have a super chat from P.O. Davila. Thank you, P.O. He says, freshmen coming in that will be immediate top contributors. I, I based on CJ's feedback, I'd say Ryan Wingo is one. Yep. I like Xavier Filsamy to be another. Uh, Texas is looking for speed, athleticism in the safety group. They've already shown uh, that they can 
uh, you know, have confidence in a true freshman safety who didn't have an early enrollee peer, uh, semester beforehand with Derek Williams this year. Uh, look for Xavier Phillips and me to find a way into that early rotation in the secondary to begin the year. That would be really big for the Texas DBs back there as well. I wonder, what do you think about Michael Kern, the punter, as a possibility? I mean, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily want to do that. But he might be he might be one that people aren't necessarily thinking of. Um, I think they're going to try to find a way to get Colin Simmons on the field, too. Absolutely. As a pass rusher, uh, that would happen. And then maybe one more, uh, maybe Jordan Washington, maybe. You know, I, I'm just wondering who else might be a guy there. One of the corners. Santana, Santana Wilson or, or Wardell Mack, maybe. I could see either of them as special teamers. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but in that cornerback rotation, I, I think you've got your guys. Who else do you want to start grooming and, and, and getting into position right away? We'll have to see after the, the, the spring season. Going to have to. I'd put Alex January and DeAndre Robinson on there with this news today. I mean, you're yeah. going to have to. Those that's that, that path is going to have to be accelerated. That develop. Yeah, it's going to have to be expedited 100 percent. You're right. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's take a look at the uh, portal list so far, courtesy of CJ here. And there you go. So those are the guys that are in the in the portal, right, CJ? Yes. Those the guys that have announced their intention to transfer elsewhere. And Texas now up to 10 players in the transfer portal. Still only nine career starts. However, this late edition of Trill Carter obviously – means a little bit more uh, following the season with uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy heading to the NFL. Troll Carter was a guy, as we've talked about, you know, just a couple minutes ago, was expected to be heavily involved in that interior defensive line rotation. Now it's looking unlikely as his portal entry makes him number 10 from the 2023 team. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at there. I see a lot of DBs and we've talked about the five, uh, five defensive back class for Texas. Uh, they've done good at addressing the needs that they're expecting in this class and also, you know, trying to get ahead of the curve curb uh, uh, by going out and getting guys where they're expecting attrition. Uh, it's all about how well they are able to produce and develop the minute they get to campus. Don't forget about Makuba also in Absolutely. his addition. I think that one matters too. Okay, guys, we're going to move on here and uh, let's take this question from Mock Schnell. We, y'all earlier were talking about Trey Owens, and Mock says the real question is how quickly does Trey Owens ratchet up? He might be quarterback two if Quinn is injured again this year. I think he is quarterback two if Quinn is injured. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any doubt about that. Uh, CJ, give give folks a sense of where you think Trey Owens it, it, does. Trey Owens have NFL traits in your. I mean, just bottom line, is he? Does he have as well as good or better traits than say a Malik Murphy in some ways? I think so. I think you see the maneuverability just a little bit more out of Trey Owens. Uh, he's very good at keeping his eyes down the field. Um, I think that's something that as a, as a quarterback that is heading into the college ranks, that is something that is can either make or break your tenure as a quarterback. If you're not able to scramble and continue to, to, to look down the field to create big plays as a result, uh, you're you're looking at three yard gains or sacks or tackles for loss or balls that are thrown away with Owens, who his entire senior film is him scrambling around the line of scrimmage and finding guys way down the field. That's encouraging to me. 
I've seen that uh, in San Antonio up close and person, personal this week. He's very good at f- continuing putting touch on his passes down the field despite having pressure come from his backside uh, up the middle or in front of him. So that's where I would say he has a little bit more of an edge. I wouldn't say he necessarily has the uh, the biggest arm. He has a big arm, not a Malik Murphy arm. Uh, but one thing that I thought was really funny was Ryan Wingo told me afterward in terms of talking about Trey Owens, he looked at me and he goes, I didn't know he could throw the ball that far. So that's, <laughs> that's encouraging in that sense as well. So uh, I like Trey Owens. Uh, if he, if Quinn Ewers does get hurt, he absolutely is the quarterback too. Uh, that's something I asked him. I was like, you know, are, are you aware of, uh, you know, kind of the succession line at quarterback right now? And he goes, I'm all for it. I'm ready to get there. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to develop. So he's, he's aware of it. If Quinn goes down, look for Trey Owens to be number two uh, in that quarterback depth chart. I, I just, I mean, look, Sark's done a wonderful job with the quarterback room. I mean, it's like we we walked through the desert in the early teens for for at that position. Matt Brown made some probably some poor decisions overall, but uh, that's the one thing you do not have to worry about. I think with Steve Sarkeesian, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we've if there if there's any one position that we need not worry too much about, it's that one. Yeah, I don't think he's given any calls for concern quite yet when it comes to quarterback recruiting. Yeah. Emmanuel Villafranco wants to know, do y'all have a Trey Owens comparison? Who would you liken him to? Anybody in particular? I don't know. I've, I've, I don't think I've really thought of that. He's, he's not a big running quarterback. He's not going to be a guy that uh, takes off down the field and starts hurtling and juking. He's not, he's not that he doesn't have that running part or aspect in his game, but he is tremendous at avoiding uh, big Ben, like a, a shell of big Ben, kind of the, the pocket awareness to continue and carry on plays while also maintaining, you know, the, the eyes down the field is, you know, kind of the staple of what big Ben made or what made big Ben so special. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I haven't he's really thought big that. like that. He's big like that. He's 6'5", 240, or 235 yeah. right now as a high school senior. That's a huge quarterback, guys. Absolutely. I mean, I mean that. think about how big Arch Manning and, and Trey Owens are. I mean, they're, they're bigger than your tight end group right now. I mean, you realize that? Yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean, it really is. All right, we have a uh, super chat, a couple of super chats that we need to get to, guys. Seth Alcazar, thank you, Seth. He says, Bobby or CJ, any chance Sark and Jackson are good with the receiver room as is and don't need to add another? Or, as Bobby says, do they still need another adult in the room? Yes, they need. They still looking for one right now. Not saying they're going to get them, by the way, but absolutely still looking for one. I, I do think that they're willing to go into the spring without one and, and to get the young guys to see what exactly what they think they'll need next year. So th- think of it this way. Once they see all the newcomers, because I think all four receivers are newcomers are, are early enrollees, right? Uh, no, three of the four, Freddie DeBose is not. Mm. Um, so three of the four Livingstone, Wingo uh, and Aaron Butler are all midterm enrollees. So they'll get a look at those guys as well as where Jonte Cook, uh, uh, Ryan Niblett, and DeAndre Moore are and the incoming Matthew Golden. And that might give them a better sense of what they need coming out of coming out of spring camp. Um, and I do expect, you know, another round of portal transfers at that point. And they'll be more, 
they could potentially be more focused. Like they don't know. We, we, CJ and I and everybody can pontificate all this stuff about Ryan Wingo right now. But until the coaches have him on campus, understand how he takes coaching, they'll know about that time whether or not they will be ready or could be ready for prime time in the fall. And then they could go up back into the portal after the in the May time period, late April, May, when it reopens. Yeah, that's a good point. Here we have another super chat. This one from Tombstone732. Thank you, Tombstone. And he says, could Trill leaving be an indication that Bo Davis is gone? No, no, they weren't entirely. That, that's not a that's not indicative of that. Um, I Look, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I heard that Bo Davis most likely staying at Texas. Uh, I mentioned this really early in the broadcast here today. That's what I'm hearing about him and both him and Terry Joseph. Doesn't mean that it's done, uh, but I do know that Texas is aware of it. I know that Steve Sarkeesian's aware of it, and I know that Texas is going to do what it takes uh, to keep Bo Davis. They want to keep Bo Davis. If that's the case, then I, I don't think there's – look, it would be rare unless it was Bo Davis's best friend. Like if it were Pete Golding that were going to be the defensive coordinator at, at LSU, I would be worried for Texas. And, and because he and Bo Davis are really, really tight. Okay. I, if it's not Pete Golding, I don't know that I would be extraordinarily worried about Texas losing someone that they want uh, in, in Bo Davis. Now, you know, Bo Davis go, can go make his own mind up. He's, he's a grown man, uh, but that's just how I'm, I'm hearing and feeling about the situation right now. This next question comes from Rhett Kelly, and Rhett asks, will Phil Thamie be rotated early like Derek Williams this year and then become a starter later in the year? I think he'll certainly be in that rotation early on. Uh, he actually has the benefit that Derek Williams did not have of being an early enrollee going through spring football in that offseason uh, weight program as well. So that will be something that he has to his advantage. Uh we, we clearly talked about the five-star rating and kind of everything that comes along the lines of that in terms of his play on the field. But for, for Xavier Filsamian, I think for all, you know, freshman defensive backs, it's all about the speed of the game. Are you able to adjust? Are you able to keep your eyes disciplined and not bite on routes where you shouldn't be? Uh, that's going to be the big test for him early on in his uh, college career this this spring. But I do expect to see at least a little bit of Xavier Filsamian early in the year uh, in that Texas safety rotation. Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about how they can escape the insurance trap. Yeah, BKCW takes you out of the insurance trap by actually providing you with risk management consulting, not just price quoting, like so many insurance agents do for businesses. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas, and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs while effectively managing your company's risk. BKCW already has, has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. They can also go statewide as well. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment and escape the insurance trap. Thank you, BKCW. 
Okay, we have a super chat we need to get to, guys. This one from Eric76, and he says, Who's next in line to be culture leaders like Whittington, Ford, Sweat, Sanders? Who steps up? Kelvin Banks is next up. He's a guy that uh, behind the scenes they were very excited about, you know, in terms of the, the on-field play first off. We've known that's been really good over the last two years, but uh, in terms of practice, he and Jake Majors have really been uh, some of the vocal leaders on the offensive line. Uh, that absolutely has been the case. Jata- or, uh, sorry, Anthony Hill is a guy I'm expecting to make, you know, kind of that next step for the defensive side of the ball in that that, that leadership department. Uh, you talk about being in the middle of the field and what that entails as being the quarterback of the defense. He's in that position uh, to really be the biggest, you know, prime communicator. But also you go back to his high school days. Anthony Hill is one of the most competitive players I've ever covered. And that Denton Ryan program uh, certainly – you know, breeds winners. You know, you talk about Jatavian Sanders, uh, Austin Jordan, the time that they had in high school that, you know, really led to so many deep playoff runs and, and state championship uh, uh, successes. Anthony Hill is a guy that I'm expecting to really take that next step in terms of being a vocal leader for the Texas defense next year. I would add Baron Sorrell. Absolutely. I've heard nothing but positive things from him from a, hey, everybody respects that dude when he walks in the locker room. So that that's that and that's a three-year starter as well. So he's yep. done it on the field uh, and elsewhere to to get the uh, trust of the coaches and his and his teammates. And also Quinn. It yeah, has Quinn's got to be one. He's got to be one. Yep, he needs to take a step. Well, while we're on the subject of Quinn, Emmanuel Villafranco says, "What will be the strength of the team in offense and defense? Is it Quinn and the edges?" Well, I don't know. Well. Offensively, yes. Offensively, I think it's Quinn. I actually think it's going to be the running game. I do too. Uh, with with the offense, I mean, you get like we said, return four or five. You've got. I mean, the run game was plenty good the last three games of the season, guys. It was plenty good. Um, you're missing out of that group that it was plenty good. You're missing one guy next year that made it plenty good. So. I feel like that's going to be plenty good. I do think that they're going to have a harder time in the SEC moving the ball so so easily, but I think that they'll also be a year older. Um, on defense, what is the – you know, I don't know that they're going to have necessarily a strength. I, I really don't. I think that that's – you know, is Bur- Barons, are Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke ready to be a strength of the defense? I don't know. I don't know that question. I don't know that answer, and that's a – that's that's a difficult one for me, frankly. And then Bobby Petronic wants to know, does Simmons size limit him to third down specialists while we're on the subject of edges? That's that's tough. That's kind of the biggest question right now. It's a question I had early on in his recruitment is how how much he would be physically set to go, um, how much he is physically capable of handling at the next level. Uh, but you've seen the speed, you've seen the production, those line up with guys that can get on the field and play right away. But at the next level, that speed is a bit of concern. I look, I mean, I know that question or that comparison of Micah, Micah Parsons has been thrown out a lot, but the photo of the two of them on the sideline at the Cowboy game kind of eased my mind just a little bit because I was, you know, kind of looking and coming into this game or this this recruitment thinking Colin Simmons was much more undersized than what he was. He actually had about half an inch on Michael Parsons. Uh, so it, it really depends on how his body adapts to the college weight room and, and, and weight training system. Uh, but early on in his career, I don't expect to see Colin Simmons on the field for 
three downs or, you know, a full series at a time, I think he will be uh, a rotational guy to begin his career. And once he kind of gets fully up to speed, the, the training wheels be taken off 100%. Let me ask you all this. How much of an impact do you see Simmons having next year? And I'm not saying like you have to say, oh, yeah, he'll have six sacks or, you know, whatever, but just in a general standpoint. I think that that is a big delta. Like, I think he could have six to seven sacks or he could have one to two. I Of all these incoming guys that, that have high marks, I think he has the biggest delta of the group because if he can, to Bobby Petronic's point, if he can hold up against the run, Katie bar the door. Yep. Um, then, then he is a three down player. And all of a sudden you've got a, you've got a potential star in the making. Now, um, I, I will, I want to add something that y'all mentioned or, or that uh, was mentioned by a friend of mine that was at the Under Armour practices. They felt he's, he has filled out much more from last year to this year. So he's starting that process of gaining the right weight. And he didn't, he still looked leaf, if that makes sense. He still looked long armed. Uh, and but he's starting to put on the weight, the right kind of weight that allow that would allow him to play um, along the on on the edge, uh, as opposed to and, and string out blocks, et cetera. I think that's going to be the telltale sign, whether it's this year or the year after, where he makes that ascendancy uh, for Colin Simmons. I I do think he's going to end up being a whale of a player. I don't know whether it be as a true freshman or really where, where he gets kick-started as a sophomore. I think best case, brightest scenario for Texas as he walks in and shows a little bit of the spurts and highlights that Harold Perkins had his freshman year at LSU. Uh, I think Simmons is a little bit broader, a little bit bigger than what uh, Perkins did, was whenever he arrived in Baton Rouge. Obviously, uh, a, a change in scheme, scheme and how they used him kind of derailed his sophomore campaign, but – uh, what we saw from Harold Perkins his freshman year kind of gives me a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, uh, enthused approach uh, with with how I think Texas can deploy Colin Simmons there. Well, we have some super chats that we need to get to, and Justin Yarbrough will start us off. He says, what's the update on Vultic? I missed it yesterday, and any news on Zach Swanson? He's another young defensive tackle that's shown flashes minus size. Vasek is uh, the, the the process with him is all about getting healthy 100%. Uh, there had been a lingering issue with him dating back to his senior season at, at Westlake. So uh, Texas is really waiting for him to get up to speed. I don't think he suited up for a single game this year. I could be wrong. Uh, but normally with these true freshmen, you suit up for the home games, you stand on the sideline, you, you're able to get, you know, some, some photographs and, and, and smile for mom. I don't think Vasek uh, actually suited up at all as a result of, of that. That's really where things stand right now. This offseason and 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 spring's you know session will be huge in terms of getting fully healthy and then showing the staff just what he can do on the field. Because I mean, y'all y'all go back to his recruitment. Texas wanted him you know pretty badly after he committed to Oklahoma. They wanted to protect uh, the home home field advantage they have down here in Austin recruiting was, uh, and and they did a lot to go after him. So uh, they had high hopes at the time, and I think they're excited to get him back on the field healthy. And then this next super chat will be from Rhett Kelly. And Rhett asks, do y'all think Jaden Blue has made the move to being more of a complete back rather than like a Keelan Robinson-like pass catcher? Yes. Yep. 
I think he started that progression and realized it, right? And and kind of, yeah, I, I think he actually took some criticism to heart and did something about it. Absolutely. You know, I, I think Tashar Choice had some real difficult conversations with him. Not difficult, but just straightforward. And Jane Blue, instead of transferring, accepted it and tried to do something about it. You know, that this is one of the things that I think Texas does a really good job of, guys. And and I I've seen coaches and coaching staffs not be honest with players before and just try to keep them on the team to keep them happy, etc. Steve Sarkeesian and his his staff, they have pretty honest conversations with guys. Like this is what you need to do. This is what you have to do to do better. Um it's not about trying to it's not letting the inmates run the asylum, right? Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. And then all of a sudden you're not doing great. It is a uh, conversation that's ongoing. And so I think I actually think they do a really nice job of not just setting expectations, but setting what they need those players to do going forward to be a real part of the team. They don't, they don't shy from the difficult conversations. Yeah. One point on that, I think your point about not letting the in, inmates run the asylum but also maintaining that level of, you know, authority and confidence and trust is something that is really underrated with the Texas staff. Uh, Bobby, did you see Harold Perkins actually got a rushing attempt in LSU Bowls game? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Talk about doing whatever it takes to keep guys on roster, despite the turmoil in the back end and kind of the unhappiness and easiness in which that season progressed for Harold Perkins. But you're not seeing that at Texas, and I think that's encouraging. Yep. Well, Bobby, you mentioned Tashar Choice's name, and Edward says, is he destined to be more than a running back coach? What he's been doing is nothing short of remarkable. I could see him getting a job, a head job somewhere. Um, like, I mean, Stan Drayton got the Temple job, you know, as a running backs coach, not real, an assistant head coach. I could see that, CJ. I could see that, Blake and Edward. I, I, I think I could. I, I feel like it's got to be the right situation for him. Yep. Um, I just I think that look, he's he's maximizing his players. That's what just impresses the you know what out of me. Whether it's Jameer Gibbs at uh, Georgia Tech, whether it's Jonathan Brooks and Roshan and Bijan at Texas, or whoever else came up, CJ Baxter and and Jaden Blue, he's getting those guys to maximize, and that's that's just a that's a special trait in a coach. And then you add on his recruiting prowess, and it's just a different category. Like, by the way, uh, we mentioned, CJ, that George, uh, Devin Sanchez out of North Shore likely to commit to Ohio State tomorrow. Correct. Cornerback. Uh, Jordan Davison, the running back out of modern day in Santa Ana, California, uh, he's apparently closing in on a decision. He's expected to be in tex at Texas for the junior day on January 20th, along with his high school teammate, wide receiver Marcus Harris, uh, that's another guy that we've got to – I wouldn't say he's on commitment watch for the Texas – for Texas, but I know a number of crystal balls, RPMs, whatever you want to call them, have gone in for the Longhorns as well. This, so What I'm saying here is this. Choice has shown the proclivity to not only extract great production from his existing players, he's also shown an ability to fill the pipeline at an elite level. That Absolutely. is something that – uh, a head coach needs both of those things are things that head coaches particularly need to be able to do. For sure. Uh, we have one more super chat. This one from JR. Thank you, Jay. He says, You mentioned earlier that McDonald's show progress at safety. 
Is he no longer getting a look at nickel? Is Warren Roberson a safety? And is Crawford a guy that comes back or enters the portal? So I'll answer what you can, CJ, you, uh, what I can. CJ, you answer what you've got out of this, okay? Uh, McDonald was moved to safety for the winter practices. That's done. War Warren Roberson stayed at corner the entire winter practices. So that's – will he get a look at nickel? That's a different story, but that's where they worked out during uh, winter practices. Keaton Crawford could come back. He could enter the portal. He could go pro. And now people will laugh, go pro, not as a, not as a safety, but as a special teamer, not unlike Brennan Schooler. Um, he, Keaton Crawford is seen as one of the top two or three special teams guys anywhere in the country right now yep. as, from a coverage perspective. So keep that in mind. Now, um, I think you'll personally, I think it's more likely he goes to the portal than goes pro or comes back. I think he, he He's more likely to go to the portal right now, in my opinion. Could that change? Yes. CJ, you have anything to add on that? No, I, I remember hearing Warren Robertson as one of the the names, you know, from the spring and or I guess from August that was really surprising folks with his athleticism. You know, he, he he's got some spring in his legs. There's a lot of of bounce, if you will. And I think, you know, the, the coaching staff really likes that at the cornerback position. We didn't see a whole lot of them this year, obviously, but uh, when you talk about teams that are really good at evaluating defensive backs, TCU was all over. They wanted him from the get-go. Texas came in and jumped in and, and, and really swooped him at the, the final hour. So I think if there's any instance of doubt about the potential Warren Roberson has, I think that needs to be set aside because, like I said, TCU is amongst the best and uh, in, in, in continually developing defensive backs and uh, eyeing potential talent. They had Warren Robertson on top of his board. Uh, I, I go back to uh, the final days before he signed with Texas. They were trying to get him on campus. You know, he, he was, uh, I, I think, at one of the All-Star games. He came back. TCU said, swing by. We got to see you one last time. And uh, he did not make it in and eventually flipped to Texas. But that's how highly coveted I think of Warren Roberson. Uh, I think he's a, a really talented prospect. And on the outside, I like his uh, potential at cornerback more so than at safety. Okay, guys. Well, Bobby, it's about time. We'll take just one more question, and then we better get out of here. And let's – I'm trying to find a good one here. Here's a good question. Kabir Hussein. Who is next year's Whittington for our team? Is there one? I don't know if there is. I don't know. I mean, Whittington's tenure as a Longhorn had so many trials and tribulations. He was there for so long. Uh, I'm not sure there's a guy that has had a similar path to Whittington that is expected to be such a large part of the offense. Um, I, I would very much like it. I think we would all agree. I would very much like it if it was Quinn. Uh, but I, I don't see that as a you know necessary personality uh, moving forward. You mentioned Baron Sorrell is a guy who has you know been around for three years now, expected to take that that big time leadership role. Has already taken that leadership role this year as well. So, uh, but on the terms of being like a Roshan Johnson or, or Jordan Whittington, I'm not sure there is one. I, I, I would be selling them short by comparing them to anybody else on the roster at the moment. Uh, Derek, I see the comment. Jake Majors is a possibility. Uh, but I, I'm not sure if he's, you know, as vocal with the entire team as he is with just the offensive line. You know, I'm going to give you another name that people love behind the scenes, the, the some of the things that they're doing, and that's C.J. Baxter. 
Yep. So I can keep that name. They, they got, got that guy won that starting job for a reason. It's crazy. And I know people don't see it and all this other stuff because he's been dinged up and habitually injured, but there's a reason he won that job. That's a good point. No, season. I mean, I just keep that in mind. And now Jonathan Brooks is going pro, by the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, how good is how good is how good can CJ Baxter be with a full year of development and health? I guess before we get out of here, I want to add this one more time. Let folks take a look over it with the addition of Trotter announcing that he's going into the portal, and then let you all have the opportunity to give your quick thoughts one last time. Well, my my thoughts are the ones that concern me are Trill Carter and Isaiah Nayor. The rest of them don't really concern me. Like, I, I feel like those are possible losses, if that makes sense. CJ, what do you what do you think of the ten? What do you think? Yeah, certainly Trill Carter was is probably that number one loss for me. I trust Sarkeesian and Chris Jackson to get that wide receiver room ready with what they have. Uh, if Texas wasn't if Texas was thinner at the wide receiver spot, and you know that's not to say that they aren't, but they have so much talent coming in. Jonte Cook's already here. Matthew Golden's been addressed as well. I would be much more concerned about the departure of Isaiah Nayor than I am about Troll Carter. But I, I, I look at the inexperience on the defensive line without a transfer portal addition already in the rings that I'm looking at Troll Carter right now as a, the biggest loss. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually saw Casey Kane as a larger. Uh, lost than Isaiah Nayor just because we've seen him and what he he can do to the Texas football team. Uh, I, I don't know. I thought Nayor was uh, always a big question mark because he never got fully healthy after the ACL. Fair. Hey, Bobby, before we get out of here, let folks know what they can expect later today and, of course, this weekend right here on On Texas Football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CJ, myself, Rod, getting together at 1 o'clock today. Uh, the The – Army All or what used to be the Army All American game now just the All American game in San Antonio occurs this weekend. Uh, we'll be on top of that as well as some recruiting news and potentially uh, any visitors for this weekend that are coming in from a, uh, the transfer portal. There was one that was set up, but I don't know if that's still going to be happening now. Uh, but uh, lots of different stuff going on. Uh, Rod and I are going to be talking about uh, rating uh, what we saw as the year end grades for Texas at each position. Uh, that's one of the things we want to go over before we get too far removed from the season, give everybody a real feel for what we thought happened uh, overall. Well, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. I want to thank you for the super chats. There are definitely a lot of them today. So thank you for that. We've got to thank BKCW for being today's sponsor along with Manscaped and, uh, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you Monday morning. Hook up, guys. Have a good week.